Welcome to Tech Talk Taco Tuesday number 21, I believe. I've kind of lost track because um, I haven't been uh, keeping record and or updating them onto the YouTubes and putting numbers behind them, but I do have all the raw files, so that's good. We'll keep it going. Uh, this Tech Talk Taco Tuesday is brought to you by Fuck You Racing, and I didn't say a bad word there because it's spelled differently, and <laughs> we will... Uh, uh, bounce through. I got a little list of questions we're going to bounce through. I am going to uh, answer your motorcycle and motorcycle product related questions. Um, the ones that were put up on our Facebook page, uh, tagged onto the older YouTube videos, asked on Instagram even. Um, and then I'll go with the ones that you guys throw up live in the chat room. Uh, of course, San Felipe Bob will probably be there. And with 75% accuracy give you a 35% correct answer 29% of the time, guaranteed. So uh, <laughs> the theme for this week's show is, I don't have a theme. I was uh, out at the Tour Tech rally this uh, this past weekend. Uh, cheers to Tour Tech for having me up. We did a bunch of adventure riding uh, clinics and um, basically riding skills. Uh, did a few demos, rode on some super awesome routes that they had put up for us here, and uh, had a good time. And luckily, I got to stick around, and I'm still sticking around, uh, and it just got done raining. So that's good for the ground. And then I'm going to head on my uh, trailer-equipped adventure motorcycle and ride um, back to California. No, where am I going? Nevada? I'm going back to Nevada and I'm going to ride this. So check this out. That is a KTM 1090 with a trail tail on the back of it. So I can take all my stuff with me. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm going to try to stop on the way and go ride some regular dirt bikes with some friends and we'll see how all this stuff works out. So thanks for joining. Uh, glad you guys are making it live. You guys make this uh, a lot more fun because I don't like talking to a little uh, cube with a camera sitting on top of it. It makes it actually feel like there's someone here. Um, Heather is out shopping in the quaint little town that we're nearby. And uh, John Perkins is watching from the deep middle of nowhere. And I've watched a documentary on that place. So. I think I know what you're talking about, but I probably don't, <laughs> right? Uh, we'll have you back on as a, a co-host one of these days soon, and we'll see how things work. Um, sounds good. That's good. Sound is great. Yep, 21. Uh, cheers. Cheers to 21. Now I can have a beer live on camera. Mm. And... Um, uh, I don't know if anybody, if you saw the uh, post we put up with that logo that uh, Jerry Bernardo from Focke Racing drummed up. He showed me one with the, the Husaberg. <laughs> or no, the Husky logo. He made one out of the Husk, Husqvarna logo for his, his uh, club, which is a kind of a strange club. It's like, I think you, you just get a, a sticker and run it on your bike or your helmet and then uh, eat pizza, which uh, even though it's Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, I'm eating pizza. And then you're in the club. 
uh, and just ride dirt bikes and then punish thieves who steal dirt bikes. That's the, that's some of the, the core methods. They have really cool t-shirts and, uh, he showed me one with the, the Husqvarna logo on it. And I said, Oh, Jerry, you need to make one with the Husaberg logo. And like 10 minutes later, he spit out some super awesome. You see it on the post that's leading up this thing. Um, I should, I wish I would have uh, downloaded a photo and I'd show it to you on the camera right now. But um, you have to go to the Facebook page to see it. And that's what Jerry does. And if you need a graphic design, uh, you just tell him what you're thinking and he'll spit something out. And whether you like it or not, that's up to you. But he generally, he does a pretty good job. He designed some of my little logos and things that we use for our schools and uh, pretty cool. So thanks a lot, Jerry. Good to, good to see you pop back up here. You're missing for a little while and uh, hope you uh, <laughs> actually, you got to, you got to dig through and see, uh, listen to some of Jerry. He did some podcasts. I think he actually might've been on pulp or something like that at one point or another. I don't remember where I heard him talking and I've known Jerry from way back. We were competitors uh, in the Incas rally where, um, I think he tried to sabotage me, but I'm not really sure how, uh, but we did spend one night staring at a ceiling fan in some, uh, seedy motel in Peru, someplace in the Amazon jungle while there was moped road races going on, but that's a long story. I'll try to talk about that less. <laughs> and, uh, but I've, I've known him since he was a host on ESPN. What was it Moto world? Some of the shows, he was like kind of the on-ground correspondent before there was live coverage of stuff when they would they would be doing, um, you know, coverage of races that I was in, like the Nevada Rally, and you'd have to wait a month for it to get put onto television. And he had his own, definitely own unique uh, style, um, sometimes misunderstood, often ridiculously funny. Uh, but when you start getting the backstories and see how it all worked out, and he painted me some insane helmets. So I raced Dakar with his helmet and also won the Baja 1000 with his helmet. So um, pretty uh, pretty proud to wear those things. It's kind of cool to have your own custom helmet design and a painter that, you know, put what you wanted in, on your lid and made it cool. So uh, thanks again uh, for Jerry's help and all those um, all those different endeavors. So hopefully everything is uh sticking it looks like it's staying together right things somebody said it cuts out but i'm claiming that's your connection not mine because my, my light isn't blinking over here so i'm going to head right to the questions um that i have here and hopefully i didn't turn that thing off i don't want to turn this thing off i need to leave this one going and i don't have paper so i can't really uh think the question so one thing that's important, uh, you want to keep us going, support us somehow, way, shape, or form. Probably the best thing you can do is uh, throw us some thumbs ups, you know, because those are going to, Facebook's going to make their own currency pretty soon, and a thumbs up might be worth something. Probably a little less than a Google ad click, but uh, whatever. Uh, you can click through uh, Amazon. If you're looking at one of our tests on Dirt Bike Test and you see uh, an Amazon link at the bottom go ahead and click through that'll give us a little chunk of uh, something and uh, like a commission it helps um, tell a friend that's probably the best thing you do tell a friend uh, let us uh, try to grow and uh, if we ever get uh, better on the t-shirt market 
maybe that logo that you saw earlier might be put on a t-shirt and we can sell more t-shirts, but uh, that's a great way to not make any money. Uh, wait, we should become a t-shirt company. Uh, stupid idea. I won't do it. So uh, anyways, that's how you can support us. Basically, just share this, tell people about it, um, listen to it, listen to the archive shows, listen to the new shows that aren't here yet, all that stuff. Um, and right to the question. So Chance McCamish asks, wraparound or flag style handguards? Um, and so everybody knows the difference, like the wraparound would be called the classic, um, bark buster design and the, 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 the flag hand guards are ones that don't extend out to the side. And I've run so many different kinds of hand guards because there's a lot of really cool, different innovations out there. I mean, I even remember a guy that was making these literally aluminum things that clamped on your bar pretty robustly in a big carbon beam. So he didn't actually have to have the wraparound handguards and you would put a flag on them and um they were made out of materials that would disintegrate like over time i don't, I don't know if they were having things but it was a guy had a really good idea and then um but so in the early days the big scare with bark busters and it still is today to a certain extent is like people feel like they're going to put their hand their hand's going to come off the handlebars and then it's going to be inside there and bad things are going to happen and i can see that happening uh it's not happened to me. I used to desert race with wraparound handguards because I just wanted to have the maximum amount of protection for my levers and throttle and all that kind of stuff. And that added a uh, like one extra layer um, of stuff. So um, I tended to run most of the time with the wraparound as, as opposed to the flags. And then I started riding for um, a... Uh, I started running a company uh, called Mare Plastic, and it, there was always a Churbies and and the regular, but there's a company called Mare, and they had they made these triple thick. They made hand guards for me out of skid plate material, and then we just had to figure out a good way to bolt them onto the. We had to use extra long bolts, so it was almost like flag style, with you know high rigidity and stuff. And now. The problem has always been how do you mount those things? Because when you make them really strong and mount them to the levers and the and the the, the uh, clutch lever and back then the brake lever or the hydraulic reservoir or whatever it is, if you hit those things, then you're going to break that part, and that's what you're trying to protect. So then companies started clamping things to the handlebars in better ways, and then that was when it was just a straight when it, before the oversized bar wasn't a problem. But then when you had the oversized bars with all the different tapers on them, it'd be hard, it became hard to clamp on them. And so then they started mounting to the triple clamps and there's all different kinds of options and stuff for it. So in reality, um, for you, it's, it's kind of a personal decision. It's like, what am I really trying to accomplish here? Am I trying to be, you know, if I was going more the lightweight version, I would be looking at the flag style. Um, if I was looking more for protection, I'd look for wraparound, and then it's a matter of attaching things and how much space do you have in your handlebars? How much real estate do you have? Um, I run flex bars on my bikes. So the, the uh, uh, bark buster or the, the handguard has to pivot with the handguard. So that's, a, that's another concern because, you know, I want those things to move a little bit. And if you, you know, make it all rigid, so they make one that actually pivots on the uh, – on the handlebar. So lots of different options there uh, to consider. 
Um, Chance, hopefully that answers your question. I'm pretty sure it did. Probably made you more confused, but you know, just lots of different options. We have some tests of handguards on the website. I'm sure there's some someplace. You just search handguards. Uh, that'll work out, and then you can search handguards on Google, and they'd be even more thoroughly confused. So um, I'm more of a fan of the wraparounds just because in case my bike tips over, it protects my stuff. Uh, J-B, um, J-A-Y-B-E-E on YouTube asked, he says, my 800 XC, and he's talking about a Triumph Adventure bike, sucked off-road. He said, the CRF 1000 Africa Twin must be worse. And I replied back to him and said, no, I think your bike did suck more off-road. Because <laughs> um, the, the Triumph, and, and it's it, they've come they've come a couple steps um, since the last time I actually spent a lot of time on one. Excellent motor, three-cylinder motor, um, pretty cool. They, uh, but they're it's a top-heavy motor. It's kind of a rev-happy motor. So, like some of those things don't really lend themselves to adventure bike riding. And the thing with the Triumph was it was always like the ergonomic package of that bike was so tight and cramped it was meant to be more like a sport bike where you're kind of elbows tucked down and it was really hard to stand up you'd stand up and everything was too close together um so that's probably what made that bike um not so good off-road the honda you stand on it and it kind of feels like a dirt bike so right right away there it has a big advantage the motor um it's torquier smoother the suspension is definitely better honda did a really good job of that suspension until you know, KTM came out with the 1090 with the PDS shock. Um, there was nothing even close. And um, so, uh, yes. And then shortly after that, he said, is a DR650 a better dirt bike? Uh, yes. Yeah. Anytime you're, anytime you're going less weight, you're probably going to have a better quote dirt bike, but you're talking adventure bikes and is a DR650 a better adventure bike? That's a question for, my good friend Baja Diaries, um, he answers every question on uh, that's given to me about uh, 650 sized motorcycles because um, he likes the XR650. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, that's the answer to that question. Um, so, Chuana, Chuana143 asked, any thoughts on choosing between a Husqvarna? FE350 and a KTM 350EXCF. I'm leaning towards the KTM just to stand out from my group of riders. How did you find a group of riders that isn't just all orange? Like, that's what I want to know. I mean, I'd I like to stand out. That's why I like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the word, Husabergs. Um, I liked Husabergs because I was different. The bikes were different. Um, and we can get into what's wrong with Husabergs and why they're gone now. But um, later... Uh, so if you're going to get a KTM to stand out, I think you're going to do pretty good. But the biggest difference between those two bikes is the rear suspension. Um, the Husky has a link. The KTM is PDS. And I think I prefer the PDS. I, it's just simple. It's easier to work on. Um, I, they work, they work really good. And I feel like in some ways I can get a, get away with a wider range <clears throat> Of if you have the right spring on it, it seems like I can get away with a, a setting that'll that'll a better just a better overall setting. I don't really know how to explain it because 
the thing I'm going to say about the linkage is the linkage, if you're going to pound hoops over here and then all of a sudden ride on smooth single track, I think the, the linkage, you wouldn't have to adjust the clickers on the shock as much to have like a baseline performance. So hopefully, you know, that's the, that's the, the, they're both good. Um, but like I said, the difference is in that. And then there's a little bit of difference in kind of power delivery, power character because of the airbox. And there's a little bit difference in the chassis feel because of the suspension. And then there's a little bit different feel in the clutch, you know, cause the way the clutch is activated is different between the two bikes, but I don't, um, they're, 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 they're the kind of same. Is, is there an advantage to one or the other? I think there's a little bit more gas tank options available for the KTM and uh, maybe more plastic and stuff like that. But um, I just find the KTM a little bit easier to uh, maintain um, with just be mostly because of the shock, you know, just less, less parts. I bet you it's probably a little bit lighter, but you're not going to feel it too much. So yeah. Um, how did you find a group of riders that wasn't just a bunch of orange bike, orange bikes? That's the way, you know, what you could do is whatever color one you get, just buy a different set of a Cherby's plastic for your bike. They make all different kinds of cool color combos, get your own graphics, and then you can make your bike look like anything like San Felipe Bob. And he'll probably post it up two or three times during the course of this discussion. He has a Kawa Husa Husky. I don't know. He made his kids Husky kids. Kawi look like a Husky, like ridiculously, even though he couldn't just, buy a Husky 65. He had to get a Cowie and turn in a Husky. So that's how you catch up. Uh, catch up with Sam Felipe Bob. You probably have 18 questions to answer, and I already already filleted you before you got a chance to come live with the show. So um, another thing <laughs> that we are working on testing out here is we have the Yamaha WR450, which we're doing long-term on, and we got our hands on the uh, WR4, or the YZ450FX, uh, Cub reporter Trevor Hunter took them up to Utah with his dad and a couple of their friends, and they went riding over logs and did what he called a whole lot of first and second gear riding, which is like what I like to do, but maybe those desert GP racing um, goonies aren't really good at that stuff. I saw pictures of the bikes on the side. I saw them stuck on trees. I saw them stuck in snow. But uh, so how and then somebody asked which one is better. How how's it going? And kind of those Trevor, I talked to him briefly before the show. and I said, how's it going? He said, I like the FX better. And so he's a young racer, likes a little more aggressive power. Um, and then, of course, his dad liked the WR better. Older, fatter. Sorry, Craig. Um, <laughs> you know, seasoned. Uh and, and I think, and the biggest difference is that, that we had in the settings, the motors are kind of the same, is the, the WR had an FMFQ on it, and the FX had the GYTR pipe on it. And so it makes it a little more snappy and a little more responsive. They did not play with the maps as much as I thought they would to kind of tune the bikes around. But globally, they felt the suspension kind of acted the same, um, which is a big you know, that's one of the big things has always been the difference between those two bikes. Yet the, and, and then the weight difference wasn't as much as they kind of thought it was going to be. You could feel the WR acting a little bit heavier, but 
uh, not like in the old days where the WR kind of felt like a like a tank. So um, when I get back uh, down south, we are going to go ride those two bikes and drill down and get the exact answers, and that will be uh, that'll be good. We can answer that one a little bit more. And if I go farther up here, um, I don't like to say bad words, but um, Fukum asked, would this be a good bike for a first timer? And he's asking about a KTM 350EXC. And so I uh, kind of explained it a little bit on the, on the post, on the YouTube video, that, you know, when you're talking about like a first timer, you kind of really don't know where anything, anything's at. Um, you know, first timer, you, you think about the first time you ever had to use a clutch, you know, and, and twist the throttle and, and, you know, shift with your foot. Those are all first timer questions. And all motorcycles kind of operate like that. The only way you can deviate from that is get something with an automatic clutch, you know, like a Honda 50 or a KLX 110 or buy a bike with a recluse in it. And then you don't have to worry about the clutch. So I said, you know, the only real other characteristic that's going to really put you into beginner bike mode is like a really torquey, heavy, you know, slow revving motor so that, so that it, it doesn't snap out from underneath you and, or it's not stalling all the time. So as a, as a first timer, um, I think a KTM 350 is a great bike. At least you're not telling me I want to get my first dirt bike. And I go, well, what's that? And you go, I'm, uh, I'm going to get a BMW 1250 adventure because, you know, I want to go off road dirt bike. <laughs> Don't don't do that. <laughs> so uh, um, yeah, I think a KTM 350 is a good first time bike. Um, maybe not the best one, but if you are really planning on sticking with it and gonna grow into the sport, that's a great choice. Probably better than a KTM 350 SX. Um, maybe not as good as a maybe not as good as a CRF 230 250L. You know, so. Um, it's it's all perspective, man. It's all perspectives. So one last one here. Uh, actually, I got one other thing too. Hello, DBT staff. I'm interested in a dual sport that will compete at B level enduro hair scrambles in New Mexico. It's been since 2006 since I put any time in the dirt. I owned a new 2003 Gas Gas 200 EXC first dirt bike. It was my first dirt bike. As an adult at 32 years old at the time, it had a fine motor but horrible suspension. Yeah, sounds good. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, but it taught me to be smooth and fast chasing A riders in the hills around Riverside, California. I got to do a demo for three hours on a 2006 Husaberg 450. Good bike. Yeah. In 2006, it was a really good. Well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. 2006. Yeah, that's that's a real Husaberg. <laughs> that's got a good motor in, but uh, it's kind of like an older KTM. It's like a KTM RFS bike, and I fell in love with the degree. But I could, because um, I could keep pace with guys. I've been he's talking about his racing here. It blew my mind how much it chugged and lofting the front wheel over obstacles. That's a Husaberg. Um, let's see. So I want to find something in between these two bikes from yesteryear. My choices are a 2018 Husky 250 FE or KTM 250 EXCF or a 2018 Husky FE 450. I can't use other brands because I'm 4.5 hours from their dealership and 
I can get a fine deal on these particular machines. I'm 5'10", 165 pounds with riding gear on. Thank you for your time. I'm a fan of your site. Regards, JD. JD. Um, and this is what I asked and <laughs> when I responded to him online. I said, why don't you get a 350? That would be the perfect spot in between those two uh, particular bikes. Um, and the, the 250 is not bad. But it's not going to have that chug and torque. The 250 is a little revvy and buzzy. You're going to have to spin that thing up. When you go to the 450, um, that's going to have plenty of power and everything, but it's not going to be light and nimble uh, like your 200 was. So you're kind of – the 200 two-stroke is exactly like a 350 four-stroke. It's something that just slated right into this really perfect um, displacement that, that kind of blends what you're looking for on either side. But um, it's not really it's not really great on the power, but it's better on the torque, and it, it just fits in this in this niche, just like the 200 cc two stroke is. But there's no class for it. Like there's technically not quote a racing class. But at your age, you're riding the vet class. So what do you care about class? So if you're thinking about racing, you're always going to want something that's a little bit faster. Given those bikes, I would maybe lean towards the the 450. And it'll make a better dual sport bike when you're doing, uh, you know, the, you know, out in the roads doing the dual sport stuff. But also, um, you know, and, and from my riding experience in Mexico, you guys have lots of dirt roads and stuff and, and, and it's more deserty, you know, depending on where you're at there, there's definitely some trails and stuff, but there, it's not like you're back East where I would just go straight to the 250, you know, or someplace up in here, Pacific Northwest where, uh, 250 and you know you really don't need a 450 or a 500 out here um so uh hopefully that answers your thing um thanks for riding Husaberg. yep four stroke force <laughs> uh let's see and so my one tech tip of the week is going to be for all you people that are um slipping clutches um, I'm going to explain a little bit about the mechanics of a clutch and I'm going to explain something about the theory of the clutch. So in the way that we teach, I teach that your clutch is a power amplifier. So you, you in, in the real world, you shouldn't use your clutch to reduce power of your motor. Like if you want to reduce power of your motor, just turn the throttle backwards, you know, Roll the throttle off. That'll take care of the power. Don't slip your clutch and hold your hold your throttle. So, because all you're doing is you're you're building heat inside the motor. It's hard on the bike. So don't don't abuse your clutch. You know, if you're going slower than first gear, of course you have to slip your clutch so you don't stall. Um, or you can just buy a recluse clutch and it does it all mechanically for you, and it's good. And it's only for old guys. So if you're young, don't don't even think about a recluse clutch. It's just old guys only. Um, I think you have to, I think you literally have to be 28 years old before you're allowed to buy one. It's kind of like that. They have that, uh, it's kind of like can't drink till you're 21. You can't run a recluse till you're 28. Hmm. So, uh, but back to the clutch thing, but when you start slipping your clutch and you start beating your clutch up, it builds heat in there and the, and the clutch plates and everything expands a little bit. And if your clutch is adjusted properly, and I find that most riders do not have their clutch adjusted properly, um, 
it, it starts, it expands, and it either takes play out of the cable or it loosens the play. You know, it makes it tighter or looser, depending on whether it's, quote, a push or a pull clutch. And if you have a hydraulic clutch, it stays the same adjustment you always left it at, and you can't feel this kind of thing. So there's some, and everybody asks, like, what's the advantages and disadvantages of a hydraulic clutch? Hydraulic clutch, you can't feel your clutch getting hot. But this weekend in our classes, we do a lot of stuff that's slower in first gear, and we had a couple different situations. One was on a push clutch, and one was on a pull clutch, and the riders got the clutches very hot because they were reducing power with it. Um, they didn't trust the torque in the motorcycle, and the clutch expanded, and one of them made an adjustment to their lever, so the one that got loose, as it got hot, he adjusted the cable, took the free play back out to where it was not much free play, and then kept riding around and the clutch cooled down and then it was slipping all the time because it was holding the clutch partially in the other, the other guy, um, his clutch heated up and got completely tight and he didn't notice it. And he kept riding and kept it spinning, you know, cause it was pulling the clutch a quarter of the way in while he was riding and it got hotter and hotter. You can't even tell cause that lever is completely out and in, and when and he didn't really notice it slipping, because he was slipping it quite a bit himself to get it there. So slipping was just kind of normal, and it also overheated and, and uh, smoked the clutch. So when you're doing that kind of stuff with your clutch, when you're abusive with your clutch, remember it heats up, and depending on what it's doing, um, you know your lever, could, your lever could get loose and sloppy, and if it does, it's telling you your clutch is hot. It could get tight and start slipping. Then you need to loosen it up You know, with the adjustment if you're on a cable clutch. Like I said, with the hydraulic clutch, you, it, it self-compensates. It, every time it pushes back out, it adjusts the fluid. So you can still have some free play uh, when you're smoking your clutch. <laughs> so be aware of that kind of stuff. Pay attention. And the worst thing about that is not that you smoked a clutch. It's that now you have a whole bunch of clutch material that is floating around inside of your oil that's going into your piston rod, getting squirted up in your cylinder, it's getting mashed between your gears. That's what a good oil filter is for. So um, yeah, don't slip your clutch. Use it as a, a power amplifier when you need to. So that is my uh, list of questions. I am going to uh, dive into what we have on the forum right now. I'm sure uh, Bob answered most of them already, right? <laughs> Did you get them all, Bob? I know you came in late, you know. Uh, I won Baja. Yes, I won Baja in uh, with Johnny Campbell. No, Johnny Campbell won Baja, and I rode his motorcycle for part of the way It when it was dark. I rode it when it was dark, and that was in 1998. We beat Ivan Stewart, yeah, so we were faster than the trucks. Uh, kids' T-shirts. I think I answered that, John. Yeah, when we win the lottery. Um, let's see. Uh, if you go to Wraparound, get highway dirt bikes, handguards. They are good handguards. Those guys make some quality stuff. They they make the really bitchin' buttons that we have on our uh, on our rally training bikes. Um, thanks, Jerry, for the laughs. Back in the day, for sure. I have a few Racer X Illustrated magazines from the newsprint days with some creative ads in there. Not glossy and not PC. I miss that stuff. Hey, James, you can follow uh, Fuck You Racing on Facebook, and they have new T-shirts uh, every once in a while, limited edition things. Um, 
And uh, JB Black is still there. Um, let's see. A couple people are fond of the highway dirt bike stuff. Um, big bolts from highway dirt bikes. See? Everybody likes the highway dirt bike stuff. That's good. Um, yes, flex bars do rock. And they flex. And my wrists thank them every day. Um, trailer full of beverages. Yeah. So the, the trail tail, so that's the name of the company that makes the trailer I showed the picture of earlier. It's a motorcycle trailer. It bolts through the swing arm, um, has a, has a swing arm and a pivot and it has a shock on the back. And we were testing it last year. They've lightened up the design a little bit, but it's still really heavy duty, which is good because you wouldn't want something like that to break. And the, um, uh, I probably carried more beer in that than anything else when we're for my running club, when they're running out in the hills and stuff, I can very easily and quickly throw beers in there and ride out. And, uh, it's like a giant cooler, but, uh, it's a great way to pack trail working tools in, in reality, like at the, at the event I was at, at the tour tech rally, I would say a fair majority of people ride their motorcycles to these events. And you think about it, you you carry so much stuff, your camping equipment. And generally when you get to the event, you unload and, and, uh, um, you know, park your stuff and then your bike's a little bit lighter. You can go out on these different group rides and everything. But if you have the trail tail, you can carry like, and this is the way I like to adventure ride. You can carry like, you know, bigger tent, nicer mattress and real pillow. And then you don't have to pack so densely and tightly. And the weight isn't up high on the back. It's down low and behind you. And the way the bike handles, it is like, it's just like a car that has a trailer on it. You know, you can't, you know, start shaking and, you know, twisting really quick because that weight kind of has some effect on the handling. And, uh, you know, your turning radius is compromised a little bit. Your, you know, the, the you know, the, you can feel the weight behind you a little bit, not as much as you think. Um, but I've taken that thing in some pretty gnarly stuff like you know really good jeep roads and uh was really impressed with how how well it handled and stuff like i said it's it's a trailer works like a trailer but if i was going someplace and i wanted to go and park and set up a little camp and then go riding it's an it's an awesome option and i'm gonna use it to carry a bunch of stuff with me back down to uh, nevada and uh that way i have more capacity so Thanks to those guys for um, giving us one to test and we're kind of, kind of giving them some feedback and uh, yeah, fixing up there. What's easier than joining the too much fun club, Bob? You know, I actually emailed Paul and I texted Paul Ospo the other day. I have not received a um, response back because I think he's a lumberjack and he lives out in the wood. Um what is your preferred handlebar width? Uh, Dennis asks. You know, I don't actually know the number, but I think it's like a little over 31 and not quite 32. Um, it's funny. I hopped on a guy's bike and he had the full 32 inch uh, bars and if they felt wide to me. And when I'm riding, I'm always kind of up against the, the edge of the grips. So... Um, but I don't like really narrow, narrow handlebars. I used to shorten my bars when we used to race through the trees back in the day. And I never, um, I never, uh, liked cutting them down that way. Cause I, I felt like when I really needed the leverage of the handlebars, it didn't, it didn't help me out. But 
Man, there was some guys like Scott Summers who used to go through the trees and their bars were like 26 inches or something ridiculous, 28. Um, let's see. Uh, scrolling down. PDS, simple maintenance, easy going over rocks and obstructions. That is, that is, <laughs> hey, who brought that up? Mark, Mark, thank you. So my, my main reason <laughs> for PDS is when I hop over logs, a linkage doesn't come and impede my progress. And and I've tried those glide plates and stuff that, that this glide plate skid plates, and they help quite a bit. But um, man, I just, I don't know. And just even the, the way that the PDS kind of, I don't know everything about it. I like, it. I've, I've always been a fan. Um, let's see. Um, how does Bob catch up? Hopefully he's caught up. Tap the screen and scroll up. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, I got two thumbs up, Dave. Thanks for the two thumbs up and thank your kid for finally getting that Suzuki RMZ 250 test up. We put that. So on the website, there's a new RMZ 250 test up on the website. If you want to know what we think about it, um, that's at least what, uh, uh, Ryan and Trevor think about it. Uh, I don't think I got a chance to ride that bike, but I'm too old to ride a 250 motocross bike. If that makes any sense at all. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. Now, now I, uh, now I learned something. Whoa. Look at all those happy faces flying up. You guys are going nuts. Stop it. <laughs> I wish they were worth pennies. I'd be, they'd be falling off on the table. I'd be picking them up off the ground. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Once it's gone, it's gone. Um, Bob caught up. That's good. Victor. Victor the Popsicle Man, what do you think about a BMW GS650 as a daily commuter and sporadic off-road riding? I think if your sporadic is really sporadic, um, then it's a good bike. Uh, there, it's a good street-going sim single, very comfortable, just lumbers down the road. Off-road, it kind of it shows its weight. It makes a KLR feel light and agile. And uh, let's, we're not going to ask a, a Baja Diaries Mark about that. Let's see. My EXC didn't turn well on a track, but went straight and fine in the desert. That's what uh, David Nitson's bike did. Um, what is a clutch? I don't use one, I think, at all. Don't you have a, Victor, don't you have a CR500? And what's up with everybody, like, throwing these CR500s and kicks? 250 and 500 motors and aluminum chassis lately. Um, it seems like my Instagram feed and probably uh, in my Facebook feed is probably because I said two stroke and all of a sudden it's going to feed me everything two stroke. Everybody's stuffing these older two stroke motors into these new chassis. And I've ridden some of them and they vibrate like they're going out of style. I don't think I've ridden one that works as good as the original steel frame those bikes came out of especially with the suspension technology you can get some good suspension on a kx500 or a cr500 now you can have someone that really knows what they're doing work on a shock or get you know modern day shock and forks on one of those bikes and way better than like wedging it into an aluminum frame so you get the latest plastics and stuff on it but <laughs> it's i i i probably saw seven or eight of them today and uh, I, I mean, I love the I love the old two strokes, but yeah, 
when am I going to get my Beta 200? That's what I want to know. That's the two-stroke I want. And I'm going to go ride the new KTM TPI bike, so the the 250 and 300XC. Uh, and the 150 XCW uh, coming up here pretty soon. Actually, back up here in Washington at a works race. So uh, I'm not going to mention what Victor just said on the post. <laughs> uh, now I've got a check mark and two thumbs up. I'm not sure. Let's see. Uh, no Fear Start is a t shirt company. Um, yeah, they weren't a, a, uh, they weren't an editorial outlet. I had their money, we'd have employees and we would get at least three times as much stuff done. Um, let's see. Oh, the signal froze. Yep, sure it did. My internet's perfect here. 30 people. Yes, 30 people. Lots of uh, things. Um, contact Regina to get a hold of Paul. Uh, I don't have her contact. Bob, send that to me. Um... I appreciate your comment is what you said on the 500s. <laughs> Why, are you building one in your garage? <laughs> did I just did I say, save you from cutting a perfectly good four-stroke chassis away? Um, let's see. Feet is getting a little frozen. Yep, it's probably because there's so many people hitting that thumbs-up button, and now we're in trouble. Any word on the XCTPI? Oh, it's amazing. I just said that. Uh, Chris, no. Chris, who is a top fan and likes to point that out, um, what do you got to do to get a top fan uh, thing? Is it is it like a badge you can buy, or you just have to put up with me for so so long before before it works? But uh, appreciate you, top fans. Uh oh, <laughs> you guys are starting to blow up the thumbs up again. Um, uh, so the uh, I haven't ridden the, the actually I actually haven't talked to anybody who has I. I I should have poked a little farther um, with the KTM guys and seen, you know, get a, you can get a kind of little heads up on what it's what they're really doing. But I'm I'm convinced that they're going to have to make that bike a little bit more aggressive. And the fact that the SX, the two-stroke SX, does not have a carburetor probably means that either they have a ton of carburetors sitting on the shelf somewhere that they've already purchased. And I kind of doubt that's the case. Or they're still working on getting that that technology to be uh, quite a bit more more aggressive. So um, we will we will see. 50, 50 bucks for a top fan? I'm not getting any of that. Mm. I'm getting dehydrated here. Uh, so let's see. Um, hey Trevor, nice of you to join. Why don't you answer all the uh, WR450 questions that were posted up that I can't answer because you have the bike? Yeah, and I saw your thing about you didn't have the code right. Good, good job. <laughs> that's that's what we, you get your little cub reporter badge, and uh, everything's everything's good. Um, okay, so I think we've routed through. Does does anybody have any more questions, or you want me to just tell a story? You could just go to Jimmy's story time. I need a co-host here to, to so I can actually take a breath and then eat my the rest of my pizza. Hey, my internet just froze. <laughs> good, good thing. Dave Chase built some of the fastest um, KX 500s uh, that I'd ever ridden for sure. And Eric Krippa built by far and away the fastest. CR500 and quite possibly the fastest 
uh, motorcycle I ever rode. It was the Barkmaster CR500. And uh, yeah, Barkmaster is a patented and uh, coined term. I raced it at Mammoth Mountain in good grief. I don't know when. Um, and the only reason I went there was to pull hole shots. And that bike, it was so easy. All I had to do was get it off that concrete pad and just rip up the hill. I was a gear, I was a gear higher than everybody else going up that hill. And, uh, and that was when four strokes were just coming around. And I remember Dubok used to be the guy on the starts and uh, I just fed it to him and he hated it because <laughs> four strokes were so much because they pulled gears longer. But you know, when I could start and I could literally went off the pad in second, clicked to the third and never let off. And it was like a flag on the back of that thing. So, um, let's see. Uh, what did Chris Parker just say? I'll come out and host one if you think I'm remotely interesting. Chris, you're one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Um, actually, Chris is from Rottweiler Performance. Uh, if you are interested in making your adventure bike more powerful, which means you have more money than brain cells, uh, you go see Chris. And uh, Chris will tell you how to make it the most powerful bike and then come and see me. And I'll tell you how to tune it back into something that's rideable and gets traction. So, um He's been doing all this. He's got he's got a new toy. It's like a three-dimensional mapping thing. I've been seeing all of his Rottweiler posts where he's uh he's making a 3D blueprint of his uh KTM 790, um, which uh I rode. Uh no, I didn't ride yours. Did I ride yours? I don't think we switched bikes. Oh, because your triple clamps are falling off. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but we tightened them back down using a chisel and a screwdriver or whatever I use when we're out on the trail. And that was good. But yes, Chris, uh, you know, if I ever make it down there in Costa Mesa, uh, we'll do one from your shop because your shop is super Sano or you can ride your ass out to Nevada and we can do it out there. Um, let's see the time I beat Danny on a 200. No, I beat Danny on a 125 and that would be Danny Hamill. And it was only because I'm pretty sure it was a super tight technical race around cactuses and I go around him and he went through them. Um, just had Tom Morgan rebuild my 500, no vibration. Correct. There's a lot of the good tuners that know, basically you want to make a 500 run good, get the crank balanced. Um, just make sure everything is, is Sano inside those things. And it makes a huge difference. And, but then they work their way out of, out of balance, uh, pretty quickly. Um, but that would be my first, actually, actually any two stroke, if you've got a good guy that builds your cranks. And there was, there's a guy, oh, competitive crank works. If you ever need crank work done, he's up in Idaho now. Um, he used to be down in Orange County and he builds most of the factory team's uh, cranks, even on the four strokes today. And he's done a bunch of them for me on my two strokes, on my KTM 200s. I've had to build the cranks a couple times on those and for my brother-in-law and stuff. And they're perfect. So uh, if you ever uh, look them up, competitive crankshafts, if you're looking to get your uh, crank set up, um, we'll get me set up in the dyno room. Uh, <laughs> perfect acoustics and nobody can hear me. Yep. See, Chris, you're special. <laughs> so, and, and he has good tequila. He has good taste in tequila and so do I. And usually we have tequila, but I only have two bottles of tequila I'm not very fond of right now so we're not uh doing that and i'm sure everybody would like to hear me shut up <laughs> so hold on i know how to i know how to shut me up 
Ah, that means time for another, right? So, oh, got 10 more minutes of this? <laughs> we better uh, better figure We blew Jimmy up. Uh, you guys wrecked my internets? Well, a few minutes ago, but I'm back. This is uh, hams, and it's warm, by the way. It's the same temperature as my motorhome is right now. Promise. Okay. Is this the first show we're going to get done in under an hour? You guys better come up with questions. Where's the, where's all the, um, you know, I could, I, what I could do is I could go on the SoCal dual sport riders, uh, form that's Cameron's little group that he's got going there and answer like nine out of 10 questions. So I'm just going to pretend that, that I'm answering one of those questions. Hey, I'm thinking about getting a blank and I want to know if it's the best bike for me. <laughs> Okay, not kidding. That, that one comes up like at least six times a day. And so what I know about you is your name is like Fred or Tom or John or Susie. And you're going to get this bike that you've decided is the bike for you. And then so so 16 of your other Toms and Freds and Susies say, oh, get this one. And I'm not really sure where that comes from. It's either the bike that they have that they're trying, they want you to be part of the club or it's their buddy's bike. They're trying to sell you because they want their buddy to get the bike that they have because they want their buddy to be part of the club and they don't even know you. And then there's the other option of that guy works at a motorcycle dealer and his job is to sit on this forum and try to sell motorcycles to everybody, uh, which I've seen that work pretty well too. <laughs> but that's why you need someone like me. So now, so now I'm turning, it's all about me. I hate to, hate to do this every single time, but um, I want you to be able to go read a honest editorial opinion review about a bike. So you, after you're done reading it, you can feel like, hey, I think I know something about that bike and this bike is for me or maybe it's not for me. That's the idea here. It's not good or bad. Like, if I was going to give you an opinion on a 19 WR250F, which I will in a, in a moment, but I can't, I can't give you that opinion because I haven't ridden it. I don't have enough time to ride every single bike. And we like to ride things before we tell you how they work. But I can tell you that that bike is very similar to the, you know what? Wait, I did ride that bike. Oh, I forget. I ride so many bikes. I forget. <laughs> I rode that bike back east. I rode it uh, back at Randy Hawkins's ranch. So uh, yeah, I, I will tell you about that bike in a second. I have to just like let the hard drive crunch. But so back to the question is like, I want to get this bike, or I'm thinking about this bike. Hopefully you've done that, the, done the research, and and you found credible sources to give you information. And it's it's tough to find these days because there's so many blowhards out there that literally. Just go to the intros and it's like, yeah, it's good. It's good. And then, and then, and then, but Hey, wait, if I'm going to be a credible source, I got to say something bad about it. Oh, you know, I'm not telling you the truth. So I don't like the seat phone. That's always a good one. Yeah. The seat, seat suck, you know? Um, and then, and then they'll wait till they get away and then they go, ah, didn't, didn't have enough power. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Well, what did you do to it to, fix the seat foam or try to get some more power or were you actually turning the throttle all the way at your whatever ability level? I mean, I've seen it both ways. I've seen 
you know, young motocross kids come out and test an off-road bike where they're like trying to rev it like a motocross bike and never shifting it. And they're saying it doesn't have any power and they're not even appreciating where the power is. And I've seen guys that I'd be hard pressed to qualify them as a novice riding a competition type bike, riding around shifting gears before the power valve on the four stroke opens. Cause that's what they think too. Sometimes um, before the, you know, before it gets on the pipe and then telling you it doesn't have enough power. And they're basically walking around with these big giant elephant ears at some of the more credible journalists listening to what they're saying, trying to gain their information. And then it's like, let's, you know, you can, you can go find those guys too, hopefully. But when you're new to the sport and you don't really know, and you can find a group that, that, that talks to you like this, like for instance, the SoCal dual sport riders is a good group and there's large amount of good information in there, but same thing. There's a lot of bad you know so you need to know how to have a filter and figure out where you're getting your stuff so oh that's my little rant for tonight uh i'm done done talking about the other things so roll i saw a couple questions pop up here um let's see uh oh so we can have a we can have a um we can have a, a audience at uh at rottweiler performance that's good you know what? If you even did that, I would even, I would even do uh, a uh, how to ride better demonstration in the parking lot, which means I pop wheelies, do skids, and ride with one hand on the handlebars. Um, not uh, you know a stunt rider, but I play one of the movies. Let's see opinions on the YZ250X, um, Kyle. I think that that is an excellent motorcycle and. If you read, we have we have a, an impression of it up on the site for sure. There's like a riding impression. I think there's even a video. Um, it's it's a good bike, and it has a Kickstarter. And I don't really know how to operate those that well anymore. I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of sick of kickstarting anything. And if there's one problem I have with that bike, that's it. And now I, we talked about it last week. There's a guy that's making an electric start kit for one of those things. So that could bring that thing into the modern era. I really hope Yamaha is working on some sort of new two stroke technology. Um, but at the same time, there's people that love that bike for the simplicity because of the Kickstarter, there is no battery and it kickstarts very easy, but, um, it's simple. The bike's simple, easy to work on. Um, it's less expensive. Uh, because of that, it could be a little bit lighter, but somehow KTM manufactures their stuff out of helium, and I don't know how they make their bikes so light. But um, why did you maybe X? And the other thing about the X, they've done a really good job tuning the suspension, and more than you would think, what they've done to the power, the slightly lower compression, the different power valve um, shape and activation, and also the, um, the uh, something else they did in the motor. That, that change it but the power delivery is is so perfect for off-road it that doesn't tame it it just makes it better it's a it's a really good bike and then torben asked me opinion on a 19 wr 250f uh torben that is a really good bike uh, we've had tons of su success on those things uh with long-term durability we have a lot of we've you know, if you look on the site, we've torn those things apart, raced them in 24-hour races, abused them. Uh, and that bike hasn't changed a whole lot. It's probably going to go through a big revision next year. 
and become more like the the current ones with a more um, a narrower chassis and all the stuff, all the updates of the YZ and the YZ FX. Uh, I don't think even think the 250 FX got those changes just yet. No, they didn't. This year was the 450. So next year, what we suspect that the 250 FX will and WR will get all those updates, and then you can put the ECU in it. You can program it with the uh, with the phone app, and that makes it all that much better. I am the new super hunky, David. I take that as a compliment. Um, I worked under Rick Simon at Dirt Bike Magazine when I was an intern, and. Uh, um, if I could only be as such a horrible writer and tell really good stories about all of my failures with the <laughs> storytelling that he had, um, he had uh, Rick was an awesome guy. He actually, he actually stood up for me a couple times. I raced against his son quite a bit in the desert, John Rudder, and uh, yeah, I, I want to write. I want to write Monkey Butt Two, the sequel, because man, our industry is like a soap opera, and it's it's only getting more interesting. Uh, right now but that would require writing a book and i like talking about it stuff so. let's see try the pastrana bend um we're talking about handlebars now actually i got a lot of handlebar questions this weekend at the tour tech rally um what does the pastrami bar have to offer and what's the difference in uh rhyme and reason in the handlebars uh the pastrami bar it's like a kate's bar except it's made out of meat Let's see. I have a friend who bought a 19KX250F. He put a K&N oil filter in it. The oil filter came apart, went through the motor, and locked it up. Have you heard anything about these oil filters? No, Johnny, I haven't. Um, uh, <laughs> these, these are those ones that just kind of go south. So now you heard about it, and you had a friend. Um, so was it a real K&N oil filter? Because I've had I've, I use their air filters in some of my trucks and stuff. Um, and I've always had good luck with their, with their stuff. Uh, there's a guy, look, look up best rest products. Um, uh, best rest. It's a, it's a David Peterson who has a, a company. They sell lots of different things in someplace on the internet. He did an oil filter test where they were actually pumping sludge and stuff through oil filters. And he has interesting data on when the, the bypass valve opens up and there's really no reason for an oil filter to come apart. That would be really strange. Uh, I would like to know more about that. Uh, pictures are always uh, welcome. And sometimes you can find that it was, you know, I, I know how you can make an air filter, oil filter come apart. Those paper ones, like I've seen people clean the paper ones off with a really aggressive solvent and it, deteriorates the, the stuff that's holding the paper, the fibers that are holding the paper together. Uh, I've seen, I've seen people do that. I'm like, really, you're going to clean and put that, you know, dollar 99 filter back in, uh, uh, ask your friends some questions. Cause they always like to blame it on somebody else. That's what I always did. Um, let's see. I saw the electric start available on Yamaha, Yamaha's website, Yamaha us. Send me a link, Jesse. That'd be awesome. Uh, pastrami bend is weird. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Chance, uh, roll bars, drastic. Yeah. So we're talking about handlebars. Uh, let's see. Do we have any other questions? 
Beto. Hey, Beto. Let's see. Oil filters come apart when installed backwards. Um, that could be. Thank you for doing these. I really enjoy them. Glad you enjoy them. There we go. Right on, George. You you know what? You're better than Gabe. I think Gabe's getting fired when I get back home. But we'll see. Guy, I, that's why that's why there's no Tech Talk Taco Tuesdays up on YouTube because somebody was supposed to come and buy and help me and I didn't have time and then I didn't even have time to upload the files on the computer I have with me and do what I have to do. So, uh, okay, we managed to make it to 802. So I went through a, a beer and a quarter. Uh, enjoyed all your questions tonight. Uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, next week. I have no idea where I'm going to be next week, but I think I'm going to take my little thingy, my little Roku thingy that I got here, and I, I'll have my phone with me. So if I have an internet connection, I will try to do a show. It might be from the wild remotes of who knows where, or maybe I'll be back in uh, back in Nevada in the heat. But uh, I'm supposed to go riding uh, Thursday and Friday up here with some uh, local guys that have some really good trails and I'll try to take some pictures and put them on my, um, putting them on my, uh, what account? Oh yeah. The Instagrams. Yeah. I'm going to put all those photos up on the Instagrams. That way you can be jealous of where I'm riding and where I'm eating a Kate's bar. Thanks to Kate's for keeping me uh, supplied. Uh, beers to you. Thanks for Truer Tech for having me up here in the Pacific Northwest and we will See you. Hopefully not like that stalker guy that's always trying to meet up with me, but I'll see you out on the trail. Cheers.